the Our Patriots podcast, honoring the men and women who achieved American independence and taken from the pages of American Spirit, the Daughters of the American Revolution's award-winning magazine. Honoring the lives of several remarkable women of the American Revolutionary War period. Studies taken from the pages of American Spirit magazine. Let's begin with the remarkable life of Phyllis Wheatley. On July the 11th, 1761, a slave ship named Phyllis arrived in Boston. On that day, John Wheatley, a successful merchant in Boston, purchased a young girl from Gambia, Africa, and named her Phyllis after the vessel she'd arrived on. As was custom in those days, she was given the surname of Wheatley. The Wheatley family quickly discovered that Phyllis was an exceptionally bright child and began to teach her how to read and write. Within 16 months of arriving in America, she could read the Bible, British literature, Greek and Latin classics, and study geography, according to the National Women's History Museum. This type of education was rare. A few slave owners taught their slaves to read the Bible, but few received the extensive education that Phyllis Wheatley did. At the age of just 14, Wheatley began writing poetry, publishing her first poem in 1767. But it was another poem written for George Whitefield, an evangelical minister from England who died unexpectedly in Massachusetts that put Wheatley in the spotlight in 1770. In it, she wrote, quote, He prayed that grace in every heart might dwell. He longed to see America excel. He charged its youth to let the grace divine arise and in their future actions shine. Newspapers in major cities, including Boston, New York, and Philadelphia, published the poem, and it caught the attention of Selina Hastings, Countess of Huntington, and an admirer of Whitefield. Hastings sent the elegy to newspapers in London, where it was reprinted multiple times. Wheatley continued writing poems, and by the early 1770s, she had enough to publish an entire book. John Wheatley, knowing she would face opposition from people who believed she lacked the intellect, gathered a group of respected citizens in Boston, including the governor and John Hancock, to vouch for the intellect of Phyllis and the authenticity of her poems. Despite this, no publisher in the colonies was interested in the book of poems, and the Countess of Huntington offered to finance the book in England. At the age of 20, Wheatley became the first African-American and only the second woman to publish a book of poems when Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral, was published in September 1773. In the first year, it was reprinted multiple times in London, though an American edition was not issued until 1786. Shortly after her book of poems was published, Wheatley was emancipated. She married John Peters, a free black man from Boston in 1778, and they had three children, none of whom survived. She continued writing poetry, though efforts to publish a second book did not succeed. Phyllis Wheatley died in December 1784 as a result of complications from childbirth, and she is believed to be buried in an unmarked grave in Copse Hill Burying Ground in Boston. And now we'll discuss the Brewster Sisters from an article written by Abby Dean and appearing in American Spirit magazine. During the Revolutionary War, women found unique opportunities to exert a sense of national loyalty and love of country. Three of these resolute women were the Brewster sisters, Eleanor, Jeanette, and Agnes, the Revolutionary War heroines who went to great lengths to feed, clothe, and support Washington's army. A tenacious trio, born in what is now present-day Rockingham County, Virginia, it seems likely that Eleanor, Jeanette, and Agnes inherited their patriotism from their father, James Brewster. In a family composed mostly of women, 
Brewster and his wife, also named Eleanor, had six daughters and two sons. Brewster set an example of public service for his children. Records from Augusta County, which later formed Rockingham County, reveal that the girl's father was active in local affairs, with his name continually used as a witness to wills, appraiser of estates, a settler of provincial controversies, a member of the Virginia militia, and the appointed constable of the pasture in 1757. Although Brewster was past the age for military service at the start of the Revolutionary War, he was fairly wealthy and used that advantage to lead the family's charge in offering their food and property to Patriot Militia Camp nearby. Though likely primed by their father's example, the young sisters worked tirelessly of their own accord with the younger sisters, Jeanette and Agnes, barely teenagers at the time. The trio cooked and baked bread in a small, durable Dutch oven, a family relic known today as the Washington Oven, and then carried food to the nearby soldiers. Because the family owned a large herd of sheep, the sisters sheared their wool and wove it into yarn, which they then used to knit clothing to keep soldiers from frostbite. The sisters were also known to melt their household utensils and mold bullets from it to support soldiers with ammunition. The boldness of spirit remained in Eleanor, the eldest and likely the sister's de facto ringleader throughout her life. In the book, Maxwell History and Genealogy, published by C.E. Pauley in 1916, authors Florence Wilson Houston, Laura Cohen Blaine, and Ella Dunn Mallett relate a story about Eleanor told by a family member, quote, Grandfather had sometimes to go to mill, a trip that took two or even three days if the conditions were unfavorable. Were this time, he must leave his wife and young children alone in the wilderness. During one of these times of absence, grandmother heard Indians about. Weapons and bodily strength were not the resources of defense upon which she must depend. They must be invisible. Though powerful influence of the spirit, courage, and self-possession were all that she had, she made up a great fire on the hearth, put her children to bed, set her big spinning wheel between the two opposite doors, and opened them. Then she spun all the night to show the Indians she was not afraid. They would come to the door, would stand looking in at the little figure walking back and forth, back and forth, defenseless, but for her courage and say, brave squaw, brave squaw. And grandmother was not disturbed. Together in God's Acre. Years later and with the war won, the sisters, along with their husbands and children, would eventually move from Virginia and settle in the wilds of Indiana, becoming a prominent and influential family in Bloomington. On a small knoll, now surrounded by Indiana University's campus, the courageous heroines of the Revolution rest in Dunn Cemetery, known locally as God's Acre. Created from land belonging to Eleanor's husband, Samuel Dunn, the 60-foot by 110-foot cemetery remains protected by the university through a deed created at the time of the Dunn Farm Purchase in 1883. The deed states that the plot is to remain in use as a cemetery to secure and perpetuate the descendants of Eleanor Dunn, Agnes Alexander, and Jeanette Irwin, and to those with whom they shall repose together as one family in the long night of death. To this day, Indiana University honors the deed and takes care to prove lineage when burial requests are made. Sisters Eleanor, Jeanette, and Agnes are celebrated for their strength, courage, and unwavering devotion to the Patriot cause, as well as for serving when and how they saw fit, regardless of their age or gender. I hope you have enjoyed this edition of the Our Patriots podcast and that you'll listen to future installments, each focused on a patriot who helped to win our independence. I also know that you will enjoy reading more about our nation's fascinating history by receiving a subscription to American Spirit magazine. Visit us at dar.org and search for American Spirit. Consider, too, 
researching your family tree and joining our service organization of dedicated women devoted to promoting historic preservation, education, and patriotism. There's something for everyone in today's DAR. This has been the Our Patriots Podcast, a dynamic duo high-five production in association with the Daughters of the American Revolution and Tin Shingle.